Welcome to another episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life, a podcast for women with a big heart on a spiritual journey. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, and I'm joined today by Reverend Susie Devon. Each week, I interview coaches, spiritual explorers, and essential oil enthusiasts from all walks of life about beginnings, endings, and the messy bits in between. Self-love, well-being, and mindset are at the heart of our conversations because once you change the inside, the outside will begin to change as well. I heard someone say, everyone needs grit to stand their truth, grace to accept who they are, and gratitude to live a happy life. It perfectly sums up my new podcast series, Grit, Grace, and Gratitude, Navigating Emotional Well-Being with Essential Oils. All right, my friends, I hope you enjoy every minute of this episode. Let me introduce my special guest today. Susie Devon, LMSW, is an author, speaker, psychotherapist, and healing facilitator who has expertly guided thousands of clients to their innermost pain, transforming wounds into wisdom through compassion, love, and insight. She founded Self-Care Specialist and Blossoming Heart Center to serve those interested in personal growth through therapy, energy healing, uplifting workshops, and retreats. Susie is the author of Mastering Self-Care, Building Resiliency Through Healthy and Mindful Living. Susie, thank you for being here today as we talk about environmental wellness and self-care. Thank you, Cindy. It's truly an honor. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and with your audience. And you are a return guest, so I, like I said, I appreciate it so much. What I wanted to start off with is, why is environmental self-care so important? Environmental self-care is something that everything that we have in our lives impacts us. So the home that we live in, the products that we use, the chemicals, the physical agents that we breathe in, the people in our lives are all part of our environment. And so it's really important to, if we're really working on a conscious path of uplifting ourselves and maintaining the best, ver- becoming and maintaining the best version of ourselves, part of that is how we care for our body temple, for our physical bodies. And all of this impacts our physical bodies. And of course, as I speak of relationships and um, the people in our lives, that of course impacts us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. Thank you for going over that definition really about why it's so important. And can we just talk about, you know, two or three environmental self-care strategies that have a positive impact on the environment? Sure, absolutely. Anything that we do with our self-care that is has a positive environmental impact on us is going to have an impact on the environment. So for instance, if we we want to eat clean food, organic clean food, that impacts our environment because it's better for the earth to have natural, you know, the earth doesn't need to have more chemicals put into it. And so that ups, that keeps us healthy, but it's also good for the earth. The same is true for what we put on our lawns. Putting more organic fertilizers, 
onto our lawns is better than putting something that has chemicals in it. And not only does that affect you positively, but it affects the lawn positively. So for instance, the fertilizer that I use is called, I may mispronounce this, but it's malorganite, I believe. And it's actually like a a fertilizer that is made with some type of um, manure. But I've got to tell you that it, um, I have got the greenest lawn around and it just, I keep my turf um, strong and thick by utilizing this fertilizer and keeping the chemicals off of my lawn. And it's working beautifully. I can tell that my grass is happy. I'm sure the earth is happy. And it is better for myself, for my family, for my dogs. So those are a few examples. Um, A few other examples include what you, you know, we often, most of us have some sort of bugs if we don't have some sort of a prevention method. Um, For instance, ants or spiders. And I, this subject is very near and dear to me because I went through a, a difficult challenge in my life where I was exposed to arsenic through bug bombs about 25 years ago. And it, it was an uphill climb to get healthy and well. It's in the first chapter of my book for those who are interested. But I, through that process, learned, really started to go green with everything that I inhale everything I eat, try to do so with everything I breathe. Now I realize that that's not something we have full control over when we go for walks in our neighborhoods or when we're out at restaurants, uh, cleaning agents used and, and whatnot, even the air that we breathe. But we can reduce our chemical load by influencing that, influencing that which we have influence over. And so another example is using organic um, Uh, pest control agents. So for instance, using peppermint oil or rosemary oil mixed with water and spraying that around your baseboards can act as a, um, that can, can actually help with the insect, um, you know, the spiders, for instance, keeping that under control or little glue, glue boards that you can put into the corners of your room. Um, So those are just a few things. I just try to keep it as chemical free as possible. And I know that anything that I do for myself that is chemical-free and that is natural, using organic substances, even, for instance, vinegar and water is what I clean with. And it works wonderfully. It has antibacterial properties, antifungal properties. When it's all done, said and done, when you're done cleaning, there is a fresh scent. Um, and it works wonderfully. And so those are a few things. Thank you for going through those. Um, Especially, I loved hearing about the essential oils um, that you use. I wanted to say, Susie, because I actually mentioned this to you when we were talking, that I'm going back many years ago, I was in real estate, and I was showing really it was a, a, a town home. And they were asking me if there was storage. And there was a shed. And it was locked. And I opened it. And they had, it was full of paint and gas containers and all kinds of chemicals. And when I opened that door, it just like hit me in the face. And it was, it took 
all my willpower not to get sick in front of my clients, but I was very, very sick when I got home and for several days afterwards. So I, I absolutely understand when you're talking about trying to stay away from those chemicals. You know, I have an example that's somewhat similar. It's a different type of an example, but there's a message in it. Um, I was out eating at a restaurant uh, this spring, and I was with somebody else. It was on the patio. I like to sometimes eat outside. It just feels good. And because there weren't very many people, it was probably 2 o'clock in, in the afternoon, so it was a late lunch. That was a prime time for you know the employee to do cleaning up of the table. She was asked to clean up the tables, the chairs, the windows to get the patio ready for spring, which of course that's what you know that's what she needed to do. But I'm noticing her walking around spraying this cleaner, you know, everywhere that she went and on the windows. And I knew there was no way that we weren't going to be impacted to some extent that we're going to be breathing some of this. It was kind of a windy day. And so I made the decision and, you know, spoke with my family member about going inside and just trying to reduce that possible chemical exposure. Didn't hurt anybody. We were polite. But sometimes people are afraid to make a a move or, or do something like that because of what it looks like. And I honor my body and no matter what, I'm going to take care of it. So knowing that because I had some chemical exposure in the past and had to do chelation therapy and was really on my deathbed, um, again, in the book, I will always, even though I'm perfectly healthy now, I, I continue to make sure that I do the best I can to avoid those chemical exposures. And, you know, Susie, that is a perfect example of, you know, being somewhere and taking responsibility for your own health. And, and the message to people is it's not rude if you need to move to another table or, go, or move inside or, or whatever you have to do for your own, you know, health. Yes. Part of this is about being in touch with, with yourself, with what your needs are. So that was a need for me to make sure that I breathe clean air and that I don't expose myself to chemicals. But it could have been something else that, okay, I need to move here, go inside because um, I'm too, it's too warm out here. And so just being in touch with our needs at all times and knowing ourselves well is a part of self-care. And that can span many different areas of self-care, not just what we're talking about. Yes, absolutely. Well, I want to talk a little bit about how does stress impact our ability to practice self-care? Because, you know, stress arises from positive as well as negative events. And actually, ongoing stress makes us more susceptible to emotional imbalance, illness, and disease. So what what kind of tips do you have around self-care and stress? That's a very good question, Cindy. The, um, well, what I have noticed is sometimes stress impacts our ability to practice self-care. It can be a little bit of an adverse Thing if you are not aware of it. A lot of times people, when they're really stressed, will slack off on their self-care. 
because they feel they don't have time or because some of the things that they do to uplift themselves, they can't even think straight. So they don't think of what would be helpful for them or they're just kind of sometimes too tired, too tired to do self-care when in reality, when we're stressed, that's when we need it the most. That's when we need to uplift our bodies. That's when we need to calm our minds. That's when we need to connect deeply within and find that place inside that's centered, that place inside that's always there. It's like that calm in the center of a storm if you go within. And if you go within and you can't get to that, then by all means, um, you know, there are ways to get to that, like meditation and breath work are wonderful. But if you find that that's a real challenge, then it makes a lot of sense to do some mental emotional work with somebody who is a trained professional to guide you in and help you unpack some of the layers, the baggage that, you know, we all have stuff. But as we unpack the baggage, as we unpack and let go of that, which is not us, the thoughts, the patterns, the beliefs, the emotional trauma that we have carried, we can shift that. We can change that. Anything can be healed. And that by all means is, you know, if we're not good at handling stress, part of it is because we get triggered. And when we unpack and heal those emotional wounds, we get better at handling stress. So uh, this really crosses over in a lot of different areas, but it's, it's really becoming more and more important now. Stress is clearly on the rise. We have change going on um, in, at a rate that is unprecedented in our lifetime. And so now is the time. Sometimes people kind of know they need it, but they put it off. Oh, I'll do it later on. They don't make it a priority. And I think we're coming into a time where, you know, it used to be people were prioritizing things um, over our mental health and our wellness. Um, for instance, buying new things, physical things. And we're heading into a time where people are going to see the value in a bigger way of taking care of themselves deeper. And yes, absolutely the way we take care of our physical bodies. A lot of people are in tune with eating good food or with exercise. And absolutely that impacts us mentally, emotionally but our mental emotional care impacts our physical bodies and our spirits. It's all connected. Making that a priority and being willing to invest in ourselves, both the time and the resources, because if we don't feel good within, then everything else outside of us is, is impacted by that in our behaviors in the way we speak to people and the way we interpret messages from others, from our environment and so this is a really, really important part of self-care, especially now. I love the way that you were saying that how these all cross over each other. It's not just environmental self-care, it's mental self-care, spiritual self-care, physical self-care, because you're absolutely right. It is all connected. And that is really going to bring me to what I I really want to talk about is how can we use our environment to calm ourselves? I look at our our home. Everybody may view this differently, but for me, my home is like my sanctuary. This is my place that I retreat to. This is the place that uplifts me. This is that 
safe place, that place inside of me is a safe place, but so is my home. And so the things that, and I I hope that you view your home that way too. And if you don't, you can turn it into your sanctuary. So that means creating it, turning it into this amazing space, or if it's not your whole home, then maybe it's a room in your home that is just sacred to you. It's a place where you honor yourself and you you are uplifted, you are held. With It's a place where you can nurture yourself. And I don't know, I can personally say I feel like my home nurtures me, but I've created it in such a way that it does that. So some ways that you can do that are to go through your home, get anything and everything out of it that does not, that you don't like, that doesn't, maybe it has some attachment to it from the past, like there's an energy to it because perhaps it's your bed and you were married, but you had a really, a bad relationship, maybe getting that out, getting a new one. Um, But it, it doesn't have to be that because we can also cleanse and clear the space in our home and the furniture. And there's um, a a chapter in my book called Energy Management and Clearing, where you can learn some techniques. But you can use stones and crystals that are um, really have great energy. You can choose to put art into your home or your space that is beautiful and aesthetically appealing and means something to you along the lines of your interests. You can have sculptures in your home that mean a lot to you. Um, I am a spiritual person, not religious, but deeply spiritual. And so I have pictures of angels in my home um, and different monks and ascended masters. And it's just this really sacred, beautiful space. So those are things that you can do. You can also include plants into your home that can actually help clear energy, but they also keep the environment fresh and it is aesthetically beautiful to have plants. So these are some of the things that you can do. But by all means, I would encourage you. You know, I went through a period of time. It was kind of interesting. Following my divorce, I kept the furniture I had. Everything was, you know, I cleared my house but with uh, sage and Palo Santo. But it became my house. But I don't know how many years later it was. I realized I had changed so much through all the work I had done internally that I wanted my home to reflect the beauty that I had found within. And so I went through and donated and gave away almost everything I had in most of my house with the exception of a few rooms. And then I had this clear slate and I went through and I only added things that meant something to me that I found beautiful or that had a really great vibration. And it literally changed the way my home feels. It changed the vibration it changed the energy of it. It's not only aesthetically appealing, but it feels amazing. And I do it for me. I do feel like it's a reflection of who I have become, but I love it. You know, when I have friends over or guests and they feel it too, they're like, this is so soothing. I never want to leave. And we all can do that. And if you can't do it all at once, and I'm not saying that I did it all at once either, then choose a room. And perhaps you choose a room that is going to be your meditation room or the room where you write in your journal, the room where you relax, the room where you do yoga or read. A place that's yours, a place to call your own sacred space. I love all those tips. And it reminds me, after my divorce, I had put all my 
my stuff in storage because I had moved into a, an apartment. And I was in the apartment, well, a few years before I um, got back out into a house. And when I brought everything out of storage, I realized I was not the same person that had put, put all that stuff in storage and had paid monthly for like three years on all that stuff that I did not even want into my new home because it just did not fit who I was anymore. So I certainly understand everything that you're saying there, Susie. That really resonated. I love that example that you just shared because it is sometimes hard to let go of things that may be sentimental or, well, maybe I'll wear this someday or I might need this someday. And putting it in a box and tucking it away somewhere and then going back and reviewing it and seeing if you really missed it. Is, an e- is a great way to prepare to get rid of it. Or um, perhaps you have a section in your closet. I have um, like a probationary area in my closet where, okay, well, I'm not quite ready to get rid of this, but if I don't wear this in the next year, it is time to go. And there was a time period, it was really kind of funny. It was after I got out of grad school. Actually, I was in grad school. I take that back. I was nearing the end. And I was on um, vacation, you know, like that break between, I guess it was kind of Christmas, New Year's time, my last semester. And I went through the entire house. I mean, every nook and cranny, every drawer, every cabinet, every everything with a fine tooth comb getting, paring everything out. And I was already pretty organized and I didn't have a lot of clutter or junk, but I went deeper and I did this for 10 days six days in the house, four days in the garage. And I got lighter and lighter and lighter as I did it. And I also was processing as I did it. So I'm not saying it was altogether comfortable. In fact, sometimes when I was looking through perhaps music CDs that reminded me of certain times in my life, or actually some of them were CDs from when I was married that had special songs, I realized if I really want to be free, I need to free myself of anything that is I want to let go of the past so I can create new beginnings. So I got rid of so much stuff, and I, I didn't just throw it in the trash. I donated it. I, and when I was having a hard time thinking, okay, do I, do I not with everything? I even went through my pen drawers, and I would ask myself these questions. Do I need it? Do I love it? Does it serve me? And if the answer was no, I got rid of it. I became like this minimalist. This is before I ended up getting rid of my getting new furniture, Um, because I got rid of so much stuff. In fact, I remember having about five things hanging in my closet, and my girlfriends were like, we have got to go shopping. And I said, no, we really don't, because I have everything I need. I was just so happy inside, and it felt so good and light. And I went to my kinesiologist right after I got done with all that to get um, a chiropractic adjustment and to have him do a little work on me. And he said, whoa, what have you been doing It's like you have plucked roots out of your cores and you are as light as I've ever seen you. And I told him, he said, well, good work. Keep it up. And he also told me, he said, you're going to have a purge in the next few days. I don't know which end it's going to come out, but this is as a result of how you've really, really cleared away a lot of stuff. And he was really quite intuitive because the very next day we went back to school and I had to leave class because I needed to throw up. 
forgot what he had said. And yes, I went and I threw up. My, my instructor didn't want me to leave because we were um, choosing our partners for this class project that was our whole entire grade. But I tried to tell him I got to go. And he said, no, you want to stay. So I stayed. But then I had to run off and go throw up. And I'll tell you what, afterwards, I felt amazing. And I, it wasn't like I had the flu. The purge that he had mentioned is actually what happened. So sometimes when we do our deep inner work, it's traveling in and healing the traumas. And sometimes we can do our work even with doing something like that. That was very pivotal for me. And I had also gained about eight pounds while I was in school at that time. And what happened after that is that the eight pounds fell right off. And some of the clothes that didn't fit anymore that I got rid of would have fit. And I stopped and thought, well, I'm glad I got rid of them because it's how I released all of this is somehow how I released this. And I don't need them anymore. And now I can start fresh and new and start adding in. It's like an empty room and adding in what means something to me. Start purchasing clothes as I fall in love with them that reflect who I have become. So my new style was a whole lot more flowy and a whole different look than what it had been before. I've had feng shui experts on the podcast that has talked about that, that purging that you're talking about when you, for example, the decluttering and everything. And I just, I just want all of our listeners to hear how powerful it is to declutter your home and really work through and do your inner work. I am really really curious. And we talked about this just a little bit on our last episode. But in your practice, what do you hear is the biggest hindrance for why women don't practice self-care? There are, I'd like to actually mention two because they're almost equal. So one of them is, I don't have time. I don't have enough time. And by the time they get to me to do one-on-one work, they know they need it. They're ready. And so I hear this more when I go out and um, it's more of when I do some, some of the speaking I do with professional caregivers, but that's one of them. And we all have the same amount of hours and whatnot in a day. So it really comes down to prioritizing and making it important and letting go of that, which does not serve serve us so that we can make room for what we really need. And then the other part is, the other piece of that is is having a belief, a subconscious or conscious belief that we need to put everybody else first and we get what's left. Oftentimes, I, I do work with a lot of people who are professional caregivers, light workers, conscious entrepreneurs, people who are in service of other people. And so they often become a little bit like martyrs taking care of everybody else and not really even factoring themselves into the mix or they just don't think about it. And I know part of that is conditioning and the way we've been trained to think. However, self-care is obviously on the radar now, thank goodness. And I'm, I'm just couldn't be more excited about the emphasis that self-care um, has become and truly to love ourselves, to love others, we can only give what we have inside of us. We can only love others as deeply as we can love ourselves. And so turning inward, making space for ourselves, and learning to love ourselves is absolutely paramount. 
Because how is it we're going to change this world? It starts with us, with each one of us, working out what's inside of us and becoming the love that we truly are and radiating that outward. Mm. I, that's one of the things that is so important to me that, is on, that I talk about all the time on the podcast is we cannot pour from an empty cup. You said it so eloquently, but we, we cannot give to others what we don't have. And if we take the time to be still, do our inner work, to feel our feelings and love ourselves, and, and I know this is, you know, just sounds like a snippet because it's not as, as easy as that. It really does take work, but... It is all a process, don't you think, Susie? I do think it's a process, and it's something that continually grows and evolves as we do. So you can take it deeper always. This has been a very big focus in my life for a long time, probably, well, twenty started about 25 years ago when I had that toxicity exposure, and it was it had to be extreme for me to get through what I went through. But I have continued to take it deeper. And there's always deeper that we can go within our self-care, within ourselves. And I look at this as self-care is truly a foundation for me. And it's something that is non-negotiable. It's something that is a part of every single day of my life. And it's not just eating a breakfast and getting going. Yes, I do eat my healthy breakfast every day. But it's a lot of things. And It changes sometimes depending on my needs and what's going on in my life, but I'm in tune with that and I will never, ever, it's such a deep commitment to myself that I'll never let go of that and it's deeply ingrained and it can be that and I highly encourage you to think about taking the steps forward to go start up a really uplifting self-care practice or going deeper into the one you have because truly I I have a very large capacity for service and a very large capacity for love. And I can honestly say that it wouldn't even be possible if it wasn't for what I am doing for myself. So some might say, oh, that's kind of selfish, or maybe she's a little narcissistic, but no, not at all. This is about what I have such a deep desire to serve that I want to do the best I can and and do as, as much as I can, but it is just simply not possible if we don't start with ourselves first. And this, I believe, is true for all of us. I mean, even some people who, you know, they, I do a lot of speaking for, um, with people who are professional caregivers who experience compassion, fatigue, and burnout. And I am in a room full sometimes of people who are completely burnt out. They give, they give, they give, and they have nothing. They're not giving to themselves. And they're exhausted. They're worn out. They're disillusioned. And of course, that could be easy at times right now, but that makes our self-care even more important. It's almost like this is not just, we want to thrive, not just survive. And sometimes, yes, we do need self-care to survive, but we can take it so much deeper. And when we really do the work, and I'm talking especially about the mental, emotional work, we can truly thrive even during challenging times. And when we do, then we're impacting the world in a very big way. And we're helping bring other people along too to help them to thrive so that we can, we're all in this together. 
so that we can thrive as, as, as a community, as a society within the world. And that's how I believe how we're going to pull through all of this. It's one person at a time and it starts with each of us. Speaking of one person at a time, I want to get your thoughts on self-care and who we surround ourselves with. Because, you know, I, I do believe, and I've, I've heard it, and I can't remember who said it, that we are, you know, like, like the five people we hang out with. What are your thoughts on that, about the people you, you surround yourself with and self-care? I think that is a very important area to look at within each one of our lives, because you know, sometimes we can have friendships or relationships that are toxic. They're not good for us. They're not uplifting. Um, they don't feel healthy. And we don't have to stay in those circumstances. We can do the work and try to work through things, but sometimes we just have to let go. And sometimes we have to say no to other people to say yes to ourselves. And especially as we're doing our deep inner work, sometimes you know, as we work within ourselves and we let go of the lower vibrations and the energies that we don't need within ourselves, then our surroundings change. And sometimes we're not compatible with the people that were in our lives. And we don't have to stay in a relationship or in friendships or in jobs or whatever that don't also serve us in the process of living our lives that aren't adding and enhancing our lives. So it is important. It's kind of like a garden. If you have a beautiful, you're growing a beautiful garden of flowers and you want it to be beautiful and you, you want it to just be as wonderful as it can be, well, of course you're going to pull the weeds out. Pull the weeds out. Well, we have to do that sometimes within our lives too and pair people out of our lives. Sometimes they just sort of naturally drift off and that's okay. Allow that to happen. Um, and the ones that are really meaningful and uplifting and nourishing and reciprocal and healthy, those are the ones to keep. But keep in mind that when you let go of something that isn't good for you, when you let go of something that does not serve you, that isn't working anymore, it may be hard. And yes, there's some grieving that goes on with that quite often. But there's also a space you've created for something that is more in alignment with you and your state of being and where you're at that will come in. You know, I I think what we just talked about also goes back to that um, decluttering. And I'm certainly not talking about um, friends and people in that decluttering. I'm just kind of using that as when we go back to that decluttering, you know, sometimes things that mean a lot to us, we do have to um, donate it. And sometimes as we grow, and especially, and especially if we're in personal development, and we're growing, sometimes there may be friends in our lives that have no interest in that. And our, and our conversations just aren't meaningful anymore. You know, I'm not I'm really not given a good example of what I'm trying to say. But do you know what I'm what I'm talking about, Susie? I do know what you're talking about. And I have had in my own personal life, I've had many people that I've, I do go grow and go deep and fast. And I've had times where I've drifted from people or they've drifted from me or I've had to 
kind of intentionally bless and release them doesn't mean you have to really have a, a awful breakup, but it means just, I know for myself, I haven't been willing to let anything stop me from doing what I'm here to do, my life purpose and my mission. And so that means sometimes, you know, I've had periods where I've had to let go and had a lot of alone time, a lot of time without a lot of people around me that really understood what was what I was about or what exactly, um, you know, who I am in some ways and whatnot. And I had to love myself enough to get really close to me, to become my own best friend and, and then trust that the people who are aligned with me as I keep changing in my alignment will show up. And they do. And I think an important part of the path also, especially those of you who are on a spiritual path, is to be able to spend time with yourself, to have a balance between time with yourself and time with others. Because being your own best friend is like the best scent, the best feeling on earth to be so content and in your joy even when you're alone. But also sometimes that's a wonderful way to connect with something much more. And I know we connect with other people, but a connection with, with your divine. And it doesn't mean you have to be alone for that connection to be there. When you're really deeply connected, you're always connected. But it is a wonderful way to get to know yourself is to spend time alone. And so if it means, you know, you let go and maybe you only have a few friends and, and you're moving on and, and there is that time, you've got to trust that that space will be filled and that, that something new will come about. We're, we're almost like ships that pass sometimes. So we have our vibration. If your vibration is raising and it's changing, um, and someone else is really content where they're at, that's totally fine. There's no judgment. It's just that you're doing your thing, they're doing their thing, and maybe you have those conversations and they're not matching up and they're not meaningful or uh, um, fulfilling. You might notice those people, you know, you just sort of pass like ships. So you might be vibing a little higher and they're moving kind of where they were, and you just pass like ships. It's not as easy to get together anymore. And maybe you don't even feel like you want to. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be a big, bad breakup. It just might be you just accept and allow that things are changing. And if people are moving out of your life, you can bless and release them and wish them the best on their paths. And it doesn't mean that you're never going to cross paths again. Nothing is in life is permanent. And so this is about going with the flow, honoring yourself, loving yourself and your needs. And it doesn't mean you're dishonoring them. It just means you're doing you. And honestly, the best thing that we can do on this planet is to be the best version of ourselves, to travel deeply inward, let go of that which is not us, to become a brighter, shinier, more loving, compassionate, and accepting version of ourselves. Mm. That was great. That really hit home for me. When I'm thinking about, I am actually bringing this up because I've got a, I've, that's go, I'm kind of going through that right now. And so I, I love the way you explain that. You don't have to have a bad breakup. You just bless and release them. Who, who was your biggest mentor? You know, that's a very good question. 
I can't say that I had a biggest mentor. I've had a lot of people and beautiful, amazing people that I've um, that I've come upon while traveling on my path, and each one of them have been great teachers. And I've never been one to put someone on a pedestal or even say I have a teacher or, or a mentor, even though many people have taught me and I teach them too. It's it's the, it's always a two way street. Um, and so I've had so many wonderful people I've been blessed with that have come into my life to help that I can't name one. I couldn't even name a handful because there are so many people. So it's been some amazing healers, some intuitives, friends, my parents, my children. Um, I've, I've just truly been blessed in that way. And, you know, a while back I did, oh, I... I did a vegan food cleanse and we had like, we met every night for a week and, um, and someone asked us at some point in time in that session, in one of the sessions to ponder, uh, we were going to share who our biggest hero was. And I sat there and I sat there, this is probably like five or six years ago. And I sat there and I just, nothing was coming. And all of a sudden my own face appeared and I realized that if this journey for me, I know everybody's got their own trials and tribulations, but it's been truly a hero, a heroine's journey. And I'm the one that came to mind. And it was because I know what I've been through and I know what I, I know that I got through it. Even some insur- insurmountable girl goals that, you know, one of them in particular could have taken my life. And so I look at, all these people as amazing gifts and blessings that have come into my life. And I hope that I can do the same for other people. And I know that I do. So I see us as we're in this together. We're all mentoring each other. We're all helping each other and we're all walking each other home. Susie, I've loved this conversation so much. I I really feel like it went deep and there's so much that our listeners are going to get from listening to this um, episode, do you have like one big takeaway that you really want people to to take from this? I would like for you to take from this that self-care as the foundation for your life is one of the best things that you can do for yourself. And I'm talking self-care on many, many levels, physical, mental, emotional, interpersonal, professional, spiritual. Those are some of the categories. Financial, all of those categories are important. And when we really, really master our self-care, then we start to become our own teacher and we also we master our lives. And so that. That would be the takeaway here. And one other thing I want to add, if you don't mind, if we have a, a minute, a minute, is that something I want to mention. Oh, ab- Absolutely. Feel, feel free. Thank you. Something I want to mention that I wish I would have said earlier when we were talking about those relationships and the, the, the mentors or the teachers, the people who we have in our lives that have challenged us the most. Sometimes we can kind of go into victim mentality, or we can be frustrated by them or angry and maybe even wish we had never met them. 
but those are teachers too. So all of, all of it serves. What with those relationships, what with those situations, even if they were very challenging, um, turbulent, traumatic, what did you learn from, from those people too? Very, very, very important thing to sit with because truly it all serves. Even the most challenging, difficult times, there's some gift in all of it, in every bit of it. And I know there's probably somebody right now who's thinking, you don't know what I've been through. And I know I've been through some serious crap myself, but it was the stuff I went through that brought me to this place that knows that I am okay inside no matter what even when the next thing comes up that's challenging and that anything can be healed. So those things that you you may feel that there is no way, I don't know how I'm ever going to heal and get past this. You can do it. And sometimes not alone with the right resources, with the resources that are trained, people who are trained professionals. I am one of those to help you get through that, to heal that and make and help you to become even more whole, even more empowered, even more, amazing than you already are. It's those challenges that show us how resilient we really are, right? Definitely. You find those challenges, sometimes they bring us to our knees, no doubt, but they show us parts of ourselves that are so badass that we did not even know were there, and especially when we get to the other side of it. Hmm. So Susie, tell everybody where to find you, how they can work with you, your social media. Well, I'm not really on social media. However, I do have a couple of websites. So one of my businesses is called Blossoming Heart Center. And on that, through that business, I, uh, I do energy healing, all kinds of good stuff, and lead psycho-spiritual workshops. So you can find me at, at Blossoming Heart center.com. And then the other business that is tailored uh, to professional caregivers where I do therapy in the state of Kansas. And I do public speaking anywhere regarding self-care and mindfulness and a host of other workshops. You can find at selfcarespecialists.com. Thank you so much. And I will have all that in the show notes. And really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being a guest today. My honor and my pleasure. Thank you so much, Cindy. And thank you for the work that you're doing. All right, friends, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks to Susie Devon for joining us. And I sincerely hope the tips Susie shared on environmental wellness resonated with you. As always, thanks for listening to Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast.